What up, though? It's myself, Jay Hall, and we'd like to welcome you again back to the Shape Up Podcast. Now, this one's going to be a little special, okay? We're actually giving you a live recording straight from Lee's Barbershop in Southeast Washington, D.C. The conversation is going to be led by therapist Tyreek Omari Walton as we guide through issues like anxiety, relationships between black men and black women, and gender roles, and a whole bunch of other stuff in between. Now, allow me to caution you, this is a live recording straight from an actual barbershop. So you're going to hear some buzzing in the background because there are people really getting shape up, pun intended. So just bear with us with some of the audio, but I guarantee you're going to get some quality, okay? So without further ado, let's get into it. Good morning, everybody. Uh, oh, man, I like that. I feel like a classroom. Uh, my name is Tabi Gomari Walton. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and every so often, Dr. Lee and the crew here invites us out to do something that we call the... Wow, um, the shape up, the shape up. Sponsored by starting with today, Charlotte Anderson. She is the director of starting with today. She's going to put all this together, and so we've been doing this since May, and uh, yeah, 2018. Sorry, it's been almost a year that we've been doing this. Where we've been having discussions with brothers in here and ladies in here around relationships, around mental health. Um, again, I'm a I'm a therapist, so my main thing is making sure that we're all right. And for those of us who haven't had a chance to go sit down with therapists, we want to bring it to you guys. We want to make sure that you have a chance to talk about some of the things that are going on with you, kind of process some of the ideas and thoughts that you may not have really processed before um, because you just haven't had the space to do it. And we like to consider the barbershop a safe space to kind of explain what's going on with you. And so we've done a lot here. We've had, this is our 13th total, right? And this is my 12 total. I see, I'm finally getting that addition right. <laughs> and so from all these discussions we've been having, we've talked about a lot of things in here. We talked about trauma. We talked about emotions. We talked about relationships. Uh, we talked about you know compassion and empathy. And from all those discussions, you know, hopefully people have been able to take some of those ideas and make them work in their life. And so today, what I wanted to do was kind of see where we at with everything by basically applying what we've been talking about and what we've been learning about to our own relationships. And where I want to start off is talking about our relationship with our sisters. We have a lot of sisters out here who are stressed, who are anxious, who are going through a lot. And when they come home, we're hearing a whole lot about what's happening and oftentimes we don't want to hear it. And so that leaves them in a place where they're not able to process what's going on with them, which stresses them out more, which means you get a lot more heat and we get a lot more heat. And so what I want to do is figure out what are we doing or what do we need to do differently so that they're able to feel a little bit less stress and we're not getting the brunt of whatever it is that they're feeling. Because again, oftentimes we're not stepping up. We're kind of ignoring what's going on. And so... Something else about. Um, oh, let's start there. Let's start with your mothers. I don't mean to just be talking about people's mothers. I know that's not always cool. You know, people listen to about their moms sometimes. But many of us know that our mothers can be yellows. Matter of fact, my downstairs neighbor just moved in. I think she has like two or three kids. And for two or three days this week at 6 30 in the morning, I'm woken up. Usually I'm up earlier, but I've had to stay in bed lately just to get some rest. I've been woken up by her at 6.30 every morning for like well, two or three days in a row with her yelling at her kids. 
every single morning. Get up. What are you doing? Put your clothes on. Go take a shower. Brush your teeth. That's all I'm hearing for like a half hour, hour straight. And I can't imagine what that does to start your day off as the mother and as the kid. When you're hearing that kind of yelling, when you're under that kind of pressure, that kind of stress, that kind of anxiety, I mean, it has to be anxiety, anxiety provoking for me. I'm sitting there worried about shit her come upstairs to me. Tell me to get up. So with that going on, I just want to know how many of us actually experienced that growing up, where we had a hard time getting up, and our mothers, or well, our mothers for the most part, were yelling at us every single morning to get up. How many of us experienced that? Just a couple of hands. Okay, so how did that make you feel? I know some of us get used to it, like Addis is mine. But really, how did that make you feel when you're waking up to yelling? What's that like for you? I got microphones, I got multiple microphones, so y'all can talk to the mic. Yeah, don't want to be too shy. Anybody, any thoughts? Any people with their mouth being yelling at them in the morning? Is it your mother didn't yell at you? No. That's it, man. You're lucky. I do, though. Any yellers? See, I'm like that. Really, I was fortunate that I didn't have that. Most of the time, my mother was gone by the time I got up. So I didn't have anybody yelling at me. It was on me to get up and get prepared. And I was very independent anyway, so that wasn't a big problem for me. But I know this lady used to date years ago, probably close to 20 years ago. She had three kids. I had none. And it was hard for me to, well, first of all, I didn't meet the kids for a very long time. That was always the rule I had. If you got kids, unless we're serious, we know we're moving forward, there's no reason for me to be too chill. So she had three of them, three very young ones, like age one, three, and six, or something like that. And so I was away from that for a very long time. I know one day I fell asleep. And then get up before the kids get, got up, so I had to kind of play it off like I just got there early in the morning. And it was my first time interacting with them. And man, for like three hours that morning, all she did was yell. Just yell, just yell the entire time. Now mind you, 20 years ago, the kids are all grown up now, they're doing well, they're well adjusted. But all I heard was that yelling. I was like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. Because I can't imagine, again, it's making me anxious. I don't want to get up here and somebody yell at somebody else. And so, understanding that this is the way that some people are just straight living, under that kind of stress and all that anxiety and all that yelling all the time, but there's something going on with somebody, if all they know how to do to communicate with your feeling is yelling. Something deeper is happening with And so what are some of those things? What do you think is going on with somebody who's in that kind of position where all they're doing is yelling? That's what I do. I still have a problem with the way I told you I talked to my daughter. Right. And that's that's one hundred percent what it is. That's my issue. What's that? Always yelling, cussing. No matter what happens. But why? What's that? Morning. Get up. I'm always at the top. Right. Why? Yeah. Why? What's going What's going on with you that's making you come off like that to your daughter? To be honest. I think it's just come from the stress of realizing that or just being a single parent. Mm -hmm. Just been me and her for like 16, 16, for like 14 years. Right. Just built on just responsibility. Just still haven't got it yet. Yeah. Got to get up. Yeah. I tell her though that the stronger I yell, the more I cuss, 
I bet I'm gonna get the point across, but that don't work. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? It don't work. Right. Uh, right. But a lot of that is that stress of being a single parent. Again, like the woman downstairs or the one I used to date, being a single parent isn't easy. That's a lot of stress, that's a lot of responsibility. You know, between going to work, making sure the kids are fed, making sure that they're getting their homework done, making sure that they're embedded on time or up early in the morning on time, making sure they're getting dressed, making sure they're clothed, everything. That's a lot of stress to be under. And they have to handle that by yourself. And so that alone, just think about that kind of stress that people go through. And so for those of us who are in relationships or who are better relationships with women who are under that kind of stress because they have been raising their kids by themselves, you know they're always on the edge. And oftentimes we receive that energy. We're the ones, we're the recipients of that negativity sometimes. And so how does that make you feel when you walk into a situation knowing you didn't do anything yet? Nonetheless, somebody's in your face yelling. Go ahead, man. Yeah, so I think, um, how y'all doing? Um, I'm realizing it now that, like, my wife does that a lot, right? And I'm realizing that, like, she's always the one that's up yelling because she's always the one that's up first. And then maybe if I were to get up first, or maybe if I were to, you know, it's 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 always it's the, I think the pressure of always having to be the one of order, the one that says, you know, it's time to we gotta leave at this time, we gotta get dressed at that time, and, and every single day being that person, getting up first, being conscious of what my son is doing, what you know, if I'm in the shower yet, and like I think a lot of that, and having to organize a bunch of other people. Especially when it comes with, you know, my son is two, so he's not, you know, the most cooperative, you know, and I'm, you know, and, and I'm also not the most cooperative at times. So I think the pressures of that could, uh, could, 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 and can start some of the, 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 the pressures of yelling, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a big part of it right there. Oftentimes we're not stepping up and helping out, and so all that pressure falls back on them, and so we got to hear about it. And we talked about that before. We talked before about. You know, the responsibilities in the household and how sometimes we're not doing things but we don't want to do it, not recognizing that no one wants to do it. And so it falls on them. But when it falls on them, you have to hear it somehow or another. So whether it's helping take care of the kids or doing the laundry or talk, taking out the trash or whatever, we all have to play a role in that. Otherwise, yeah, one person can feel more stressed out than the other person. And so when those kind of things are constantly going on, and even outside the household, how easy is it for you guys to recognize when your woman is being is just bothered by something? How easy? Pretty easy, right? So how easy to tell what it is though? If she doesn't communicate to you exactly what's going on, you know something's happening. But how easy is it for you to tell just by the way she's interacting with you what's really bothering? Sometimes you can, right? And so what do we usually do instead when that happens? That's right. We stay away from it. That's the idea right there. We know something's wrong. We don't know what it is, but we know something's going on there. And so we find a way to avoid it. Get out of the way. And this goes back to being kids, too. How many people grew up here with siblings? Had brothers and sisters? Okay. So you know your brother or your sister did something wrong. And you know when your mother gets home, somebody's catching a wrath of what behind what your brother or sister did, right? 
How many people were here when mama got home? When your father got home? How many people just, yeah, that's right. You got out of the way. So we learned early on, when there's trouble, avoid that trouble. Now we do that in the household with our families. We don't do that on the block with cats out there who try to, you know, do whatever they can do. And so it's always this avoidance. We learn how to avoid constantly. We don't want to get in the way. We don't want to catch the rat. And so we're always avoiding. So if we're always avoiding, when do we actually engage? When do we actually begin to have a conversation about what's happening? Or are we just always just going to avoid? Well, <laughs> keep your mouth closed. But does that work though? How does it work for you? You say it works for you? Really though? For how long though? Because that conflict is going to come. And how often does that happen? Exactly. Exactly. You can run all day. Right. But that means you actually have to sit there and listen, right? You can't avoid it. Back and forth. For sure. For sure. That's the whole thing. Yeah, you can't avoid it for too long. Because eventually it's gonna turn around on you. Because they're not having they're not they don't have the chance to really explain what's going on with them. And so you can't avoid it. You're gonna to have to let them in, which means sitting back and listening. But how many of us actually want to sit back and listen to that? Nobody, right? Nobody's trying to hear any of that. We don't want to, no one wants to deal with that. So what do you do? You can't you can't avoid, you know you can't avoid it. At a certain point you have to listen. How do you go about doing that without stressing yourself out? Right? Right? Right. Right. Sometimes you have to engage and you have to ask them. Because all, you know how we get sometimes where we don't actually explain what's going on with us. We're just frustrated. We first started talking off about the angry black man syndrome and how many times we don't necessarily express what's exactly going on with us because we don't want to be that vulnerable or we don't feel safe and explaining or sometimes we can't even describe what's going on with us. Ladies do that too. And so they can be frustrated and show you that anger and that frustration and not articulate what's actually going on with them. So you have to ask the question. You have to ask them what's happening, what's going on. And once you do that, understand you are opening up the floodgates. Because if you haven't been listening before, oh, you got to listen now. So one of the ways that you avoid that happening is engaging regularly. You can't just wait till she gets all the way up here. You don't want her to be at a 10. Talk to her at about 4 or 5 sometimes. Keep it steady. You have to be consistent with it. Because when you're not, once it gets up here, it's going everywhere. Everyone's catching the rap. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to make sure that that stress level that they're feeling isn't being transferred to everybody else in the household. We don't want them waking up in the morning yelling at everybody. You don't want your kids stressed out and anxious because mom is yelling in the morning and yelling at night. Basically, that's the way she's communicating with all the kids. That's not what you want. Right. And so the best way to handle that is to actually engage in conversation. 
take some of that stress off of her. Do some of the things around the house that you're not doing. But if you keep avoiding that, if you keep avoiding the work of the relationship, yeah, she's going to be stressed out. And so I got some, some things here. I want to show you a few things. And so what I'm just passing around right now is six signs of anxiety in black women. And it says black women for a specific reason that the stuff that we learned in grad school about you know anxiety and stress and the symptoms of that oftentimes don't translate to black people because it's actually studying white men, white men's behavior that help create these different diagnoses. And so we have to do a better job of identifying what's specifically happening with, happening with us as black people that may not be in the book that describes how we're feeling depressed and how we're feeling anxious. And so when we look at black women, and I can't tell you, when I put this up, actually I, I stole this from Charlene. And so when I actually put this up on Facebook and, um, and IG, I had my cousins, I had friends, I had women all over the place who were going, on, going in and just talking about, yo, that's me. I've never, it's never been described to me as anxiety, just stress. But when they're looking at these six different symptoms, they're like, oh, that's what I'm going through. Maybe I am anxious. Maybe all this anxiety that I'm showing through yelling and being angry and being frustrated is deeper than just what's happening today. Maybe I am suffering from anxiety. So go through these real quick. Number one, stress and outing and events. Now, now, when you hear some of these, please raise your hand and say that you've seen this happen in person, all right, with women that you've been involved with, with your sisters, with your mamas. Number one, stress and outing and events. Finding public events are intimidating, especially events with large crowds or finding yourself preoccupied with how other people see you in public. How many people, how many people have actually dealt with this? Been out with somebody and she's feeling stressed just because she's around a whole lot of people. We've seen it before, right? Okay. Understand. That could be a sign of anxiety. Number two, nervous habits. Now this one gets deep. Some develop ticks in the legs or face or find themselves pulling the hair, biting the nails, or picking at the cuticles. How many people have actually observed <laughs> that kind of behavior before? Have you guys seen that before? Yeah. Like when people are pulling the hair, messing with the hair, or you know, flipping their hair. Those are nervous ticks. Number three. Goal avoidance. Holding yourself back because you're afraid of the possibility being put on the spot or not being able to do it. Basically, being afraid to succeed or afraid that if you are put under pressure that you won't be able to achieve it. How many people have actually seen women or heard women talk about that, especially when it comes to work? How they don't want to step up because they're afraid of what may happen. Number four, worrying. Now, worrying and anxiety aren't always the same thing. Worrying is just very, very general. You know, but when you start showing anxious behaviors about something, I'm sorry, worrying is very specific. Um, anxiety is very general. So when you see women who are worried about everything, not just something specific that's happening right now, but like everything that's happening in life, they're always, always worried about the family, always worried about something happening at work, always worried about the kids, always expressing some kind of worry, but it's not just about something specific at a moment. Always thinking about the worst scenarios about situations. Constantly worrying when it's not needed. 
How many people see this in the behavior of their of their friends, of their ladies, all that, right? We're exactly worried about the wrong thing sometimes. It has nothing to do with anything that has to do with them, but always worrying about something happening. That one drives me crazy. I've dated several women like that too, where it's like you're worried about all this stuff that has nothing to do with you. You have no control over it. This is not your life. But that's all you talk about. That's all you worry about. You're always thinking that somehow or another something's going to happen. But it has nothing to do with you. There's nothing to worry about there. Five. This can go for everybody, actually. Self-medicating. Drinking alcohol such as wine, using drugs, or even having increased sexual activities to calm down frequently. How many people have seen that? And that's one thing about being in DC. Oh yeah, now you can't tell us she drinks too much. You can't say if you open up a bottle of wine every single day, not just finishing the wine that you had, open up a new bottle of wine every single day after work. There's something else going on with you. You might be a little anxious. You might need to find healthier ways to cope with the stress that you're dealing with. And number six. Physical health issues, high blood pressure, rapid heart rate, and sweating are signs of anxiety turning into a potential panic attack. How many people have actually observed women going through that, having a panic attack? Right. And what do you feel, like when these type of things happen in front of you, what do you feel like you can do about it? To call their mother. <laughs> Say what? Whatever. I thought they were lying. Good. Yeah, okay. I, I, I thought they were lying more attention. I didn't. I was like, yeah, right. Right. That's yeah. a big thing too. Oftentimes we can't empathize what's going on because it makes no sense to us. And we talk about empathy again. That's the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand things from their perspective. Be able to see things through their eyes. But because it makes absolutely no sense to us, we don't get it. And so yeah, we think they're lying. We think they're faking. And that's the thing about it. That's the whole communication piece. The question was, when they call you insensitive and you don't understand what's going on, what do you do about it? That's where the conversation has to come in. That's where the communication comes in. You need them to explain what specifically happened. You need for them to be able to identify the particular feelings that are going on in that moment. And oftentimes, people don't know how to do that. Remember I gave you that chart before, that big wheel that had all the different emotions on it? Yeah, the emotional wheel. So they need to be able to sit down and identify, okay, if this is happening right now, what are you actually feeling? Because when people can actually describe to you and explain to you what they're feeling in that moment, it helps you to understand better. So if somebody says, well, this in particular makes me feel frustrated, you know what it feels like to be frustrated, right? Yeah, we've all been frustrated before. So if somebody can identify a particular situation and say that's frustrating, now you can understand, okay, yeah, I understand what it means to be frustrated. I may not understand why you feel frustrated, but at least I understand that you the feeling that you have attached to this particular situation. And that's the main thing, just being able to understand what's going on in that particular situation for them. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's important to understand why they feel frustrated, because somebody could say I feel frustrated by coming to the barbershop. Yeah. But if you don't understand why they feel frustrated all of a sudden, then you don't have a real grasp of, you know, how to empathize. Right. I totally agree with you. You have to first understand 
the emotion, then understand why. The why has to come second. If you if they can't identify the particular emotion to begin with, you can't even get to the why. So the first step is understanding what the emotion is that's attached to the situation. Then you can get to the why. Then you want to understand the why and have them explain to, explain it to you. So can anybody think of a scenario in particular that one of their lady friends or their mother or whoever, when they're going through something, have actually described to you before you understood what was going on, being able to break down what they were feeling and why they were feeling that way about that particular subject. Anybody think of any any situation where that's happened? <laughs> so this is gonna be a very useful conversation. <laughs> Will she get drunk? Right. <laughs> May not be clear, right? Right. Blow up. Right. Right, right. But that that's a good thing to get to too because why do you think they don't want to explain what's going on with them? Why do you think they just want to stew in their anger? Go ahead, Dr. Lee. I, I think a lot of women think men are so hard-headed that if I tell them he ain't going to get it and I already probably sold him before, still ain't got it. He ain't paying no attention to me. He don't get the chance to finish the conversation. <laughs> I think it's a waste of time. I think we're stupid. I can't argue with you. That's a, I mean, that's a good point. Oftentimes, they don't explain what's going on because they tried before, and we haven't taken the time to really understand them, and so they, sh- they shut down. I think that goes to like the emotional intelligence. So the gap in emotional intelligence between men and women um, at times, because if we say we're frustrated, a lot of times it's met with um, either a man trying to fix it or you know trying to provide a remedy instead of like really listening empathizing with right. right and that's a big part of it too I don't you know think, go ahead i don't think women effectively communicate i agree the difference between them wanting to express themselves mm. and them wanting you to solve the problem because nine times out of ten when you have a conversation with a male and you bring an issue to him him being your your partner his self-frame is so resolve the issue. Right. As opposed right. to sit there and actually listen to you venting your frustration. Right. A lot of times women don't differentiate between I want you to listen to me as I vent my frustration, not necessarily need a solution to the problem or come up with a solution. Right. I totally agree. And I think that's something I had to learn um, in passing when I get frustrated with solutions or solutions that I feel like men think are it's a a simple solution and it's actually complicated like you know well why don't you just you know find another job why don't you just tell your boss this and it's actually like multi layers of it mm-hmm. and so how do you begin to navigate say okay i just need a space to i can do that now but i couldn't do that three or four years ago and then the dynamic that you created he like so for my capacity is like man i told you to do this so i said why can't you do this or why you ain't doing this and you like you're not getting you're not understanding and then he's on the other side like Alright man, he gets irritated <laughs> and frustrated. Right. If he's coming up with, right. he's throwing out all his suggestions and ideas to resolve the issue, 
And you still talking to him about the issue, and he like, I just gave you six things you can do to resolve it, and now it creates a bigger thing that you still want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> And so that goes to another point. Why is it that we're always, when we hear them actually start venting, why is it as men, we always want to solve their problems? That's our nature, right? That's it right there. Right. time to kind of take a break and we encourage you to leave comments right below in the comment section if somebody has already said something that made you shake your head made you rise up out your seat they hit it on the nail or you think they said something far off we encourage all conversation right there in the comment section okay and without further ado let's get back into the show no 100 and that's the thing too there's two things going on there one us being better at listening but two helping them helping our ladies to understand that we need to be clear on what it is that they're looking for. Are you looking for a solution? Or are you looking just to vent? Do you just want me to listen? 
we might have to ask that question. But again, this is communication we're talking about. If we're not actually asking the proper questions, we're not going to get the right answers. Or we're not going to give the right answers. So you may have to ask, okay, baby, look it. I can tell there's a lot going on with me right now. Do you just want me to listen? Are you just in a mood to vent? Or do you want me to help you solve the issue? Ask the question. And let her give you the answer. She may just honestly want to vent. And so you might just have to listen to her vent for a while. And not give any solutions. Go against your nature as a man. Or go against your socialization as a man. And just listen. I've actually uh, I've tried that before. Uh-huh. Uh, it worked. <laughs> the, the, the second and third time, it worked. Um, but what I got was that she was okay with getting a solution after I listened. Right. And I got the full context of what she she said, and then understood that you know my solution still comes from a male way of thinking. To where if it's a, a situation at her job, and I'm not sure if y'all had a situation with like. You know, you at work, and as black men, you at work, and you know, you get some advice from a, you know a white colleague. It's something that you can't do as a black man without looking a certain way. So in the same sense, I was giving her advice like, "What? Just check that food and, <laughs> and say this and say that." But then she also has the you know understanding of like she might look like the angry black woman, and right. she has to operate differently than me right. because I have a certain level of privilege that she doesn't have. That maybe my solutions don't work for her. So making sure that I have solutions that. You know uh, that 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 could work, and that, that she could understand. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. That is true. We do oftentimes as men have a privilege that women don't have, and so we're coming at it from a place of privilege that we don't even recognize ourselves that we have. But they can't operate the same way that we can out here. And so, really quickly, before we get to the thing that Sean's passing out, um, I just wanted to go over these two things again um, that we did, haven't done in a while: uh, emotional literacy. The ability to identify specific emotions experienced by yourself or others during a particular circumstance and being held, being able to label them. That's what we were talking about before. Helping them identify specifically what's going on, how they feel about a particular situation. Um, to understand those emotions within the context of that circumstance, recognize what you and others are feeling at any given time. So remember when we talked about, you know, anxious, being anxious and worried about everything? In order to help ease their anxiety, we need to help them identify specifically what's going on. It's okay if they worry a little bit about it, but they can't worry about everything. Get down to the heart of the matter. What's really going on that's bothering you? It's not the entire world, because the whole world isn't collapsing. But there's one specific thing that's happening with you right now, that one thing that we can tackle, that we can handle, and do something about. We can't do something about absolutely everything. And then again, emotional intelligence being aware of the specific emotions either you or another person's experience. Again, you need to be aware. Oftentimes, we are aware of danger, but we don't know, we always recognize the circumstances in which the dangers happen. You know, so we want to be able to identify the specific emotion that's happening in that moment. And having empathy or being able to understand someone else's feelings based on how you would feel in the same situation. So again, empathy is everything. You want to be able to empathize with your mate. Okay, so let's get to our questions, as we often do. A little inventory. Okay, so on a scale from 0 to 10, I want you to be able to identify you in this. So if you're on at 0, that's not like you at all. And if you're at a 10, it's 100% how you are with things. So number one, 
How easy is it to identify what's exactly bothering your mate? I actually had one earlier. But how easy is it? Zero to ten. A one, right? It's a one. Why is it a one, though? Right. We are. Without lottery, no one should expect you to do that. That's one thing with my couples have to do all the time. I have to explain to women sometimes, look it, he's not going to stand what's going on with you unless you tell him what's exactly going on. Yes, he could tell you're frustrated. Right. But that's why they have to be able to express exactly what it is. I can tell you're frustrated. I can tell you're mad, but I don't know what it's about. You have to tell me the specific thing that's bothering you. So you know we're not mind readers. We need to know exactly what's happening. Two, how likely are you to engage your mate in conversation when something is bothering her? Zero to ten. You said two? <laughs> two, three, it's on the lower end. Okay. So why two, why three? Why, why so low? Why are we so adverse to engaging in conversations with our mates when something bothering her? Right. 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 I was about to say, but that's the thing about it too. If you're waiting to, you're frustrated to engage in a conversation, nobody's gonna hear anything. Because now we're both at that point, you can't you can't have success in conversation. When you're both defensive, when you're both angry, I mean, think about how many times you got an argument with somebody and no one can hear the other person's point of view. Because you're arguing, you're both, you know, in this animated state and nothing's gonna happen to be to make this get any better. So you can't wait till you're frustrated too to help out. You have to be in a calm place to help calm them down, because both of you guys are anxious, nothing's getting done. So you can't just wait for wait to engage. You have to engage early. But I feel like it's a it's a two or three for me too, because I'm gonna try to cut start the conversation, but once I get feel myself starting to get upset, I'm gonna stop. Right. Right. What's wrong with you? Nothing. Something's wrong with you. You know what's wrong with me. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Right. But I think that manufactured stress is right. I think we don't really feel really measure how that affects us. And I know it's selfish to say, how that affects us too, but we, because at the end of the day, I would choose peace first. Right. Right. I mean, that's what men want. Remember being on this panel before, and they're like, you know, what is that man want? My answer was, men want peace. That's what we want. Above and beyond anything else, we want peace. And so, if we want you, nah, trust. <laughs> trust. You don't want peace? Right? Peace doesn't have any boring. I mean, to be honest, like, like, peace is always, like, the idea of peace is when I have conversations with men. It's always been perceived to me as, like, boring, right? Because I never thought life was supposed to be calm. Mm -hmm. I never was taught that life was going to be calm. I was taught that life was going to be unpredictable. So because I was taught life was going to be unpredictable, anything that was going to be a sign of peace or this silence, like, I don't want that. I'm going to run crazy. Not that I'm saying I want a back and forth or be frustrated, but I'm going to go crazy if I'm just around peace all the time, to be perfectly honest. Okay, so if you are around peace all the time, what about the peace makes you go crazy? You said it's boring? Yeah, it's boring. So you would rather have somebody who is unpredictable and that's going to keep you more engaged and involved in the relationship. That's going to keep you there. Word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I can't, I can't do more. I got a couple of 
Right, no, 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 no. So when I'm saying, like, yeah, I do need that engagement, I'm expecting that. And right. I may not like it, I may not be in the mood for it, but this is what life is about. Okay. That's how I was conditioned to understand. Okay, I get you now. Okay, so yeah, not the negativity. No, that's all right, not, Okay, all right, all right. So yeah, you want things, you want there to be excitement in a relationship. Absolutely. Right. But there can still be peace with that. The whole thing about peace is when you don't have peace, you're feeling agitated. You're not feeling, you know, you don't want to be in a place where you're always feeling agitated. You want there to be excitement in your relationship. You want to be able to enjoy yourself. You want there to be some unpredictability, but it's a negative attitude that you want to avoid. Right? So you want you want peace from the negativity. Alright. So it's me. Everybody's different. We just want peace from the negativity. Um I usually know what's I know what's bothering her. I don't know why it's bothering her. I can I can look at the time. In which, like, okay, he was mad. He was cool at this time, and now you're mad. So what happened between this and that? Right. So I can figure out, okay, I said something in the car. Oh, I said this in the car. But I don't know why it affected you that way. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of get a glimpse. But then if I, if I get the wrong glimpse and I guess wrong, it's even worse. So in that situation, how would you get her to explain to you exactly what happened or what you said? Usually, if I bring up... Anything else is so much on the top of her mind, she'll throw it out. I'm like, you know, are you hungry? You know, well, you must not have been hungry when we was late. This isn't that. Like, she'll, she'll bring it up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you, my, my wife, she brings, she brings it up. Right? My thing is to be very direct about it. If you recognize something happened in the car, if you recognize that the energy changed in the car, we have that conversation, go back to that. Go right back to it. Look it. I recognize when we were in the car, something happened. I said something that bothered you, and I don't know what it is. Ask her. Be very direct about it. Go right back to that situation, because you don't want it to be about everything else. Again, we don't want the anxiety of the whole world collapsing. Now, you know, she's catastrophizing about everything. You want to know specifically what happened in that situation. So ask about that situation. In the car, your attitude changed. What happened? How can we fix it? Or just let me know what happened so I won't do it again. Be very, very specific about that. Right, let's go on. Um, this is one I know that we all deal with a bit. Number three, how often do you tune your mate out when she's complaining about something you did or didn't do? Ten, right? <laughs> Why ten? Why do we, ten or twenty? Why is it that we tune them out? Because if something we did or didn't do, then we need to know about it. You said it's a drama. So, so you're avoiding, you're, you're tuning out to avoid the drama of it. Is that going to help or hurt? Because I can imagine if you're tuning it out, that's going to increase the chances of being more drama. Right. <laughs> it feels, feels good right there in the moment, right? <laughs> so that's the big point right there. In the moment. It's bothersome. You don't want to deal with it in the moment. And so what I say, because this happens all the time, we have this thing in therapy called pursue withdrawal, where one person is always pursuing the other person, trying to talk to them about what's going on and what's bothering them, 
And because of that, the other person's always withdrawing. They're always backing up, trying to get away from you because it all has to do with them. So they're trying to avoid it more and more and more. But the more you avoid it, the more they're going to pursue you. And the more they pursue you, the more you're going to try to avoid it. You're going to keep withdrawing. And so you get caught in this cycle constantly of withdrawing when somebody's pursuing you. So things don't get fixed. And so there has to be a break in there somewhere where you actually engage it. You have to engage because it's not going to get any better until you do. And so you have to sit down and have a conversation. And so if you find that in the moment you're always like trying to run away, stop her. Look at be like, look it. Time out for a second. I want to talk to you about this, but right now may not be the best time. The way that you're coming at me isn't gonna be productive. Right. So give me a half an hour to get my thoughts together, and then I will come back to you and have this conversation with you. But right now it's not productive. I'm not hearing that. Huh? It works. It does work. You have to try it. Yeah. You have, but, but that's the whole thing. It, it works, but you both have to agree. It can go. It can, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Believe me when I'm telling you. Believe me. Yeah. Huh? It can happen. It can't. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But see, but see, this is the trick, though. When you say we can talk about it later, you have to have a designated time to do it. You can't say later, like, okay, we'll talk about this next week. No. Look, I'm going to come back to you. And you have to, if you're the one who's saying, I need a timeout, you have to go back to them to engage them in the conversation. The reason why it doesn't work is because they're so used to you running away and continue to run away. You have to go back to them. Say, look, I just need a half an hour. I will engage you in this conversation, and I will come back to you and talk to you about it, but right now, it's not, it's not going to work. I'm not going to hear you, and you're not going to hear me. So give me a half an hour. I promise I will come back to you. This is something that both of you guys have to agree on. Because right. if, she's, if she doesn't believe that you're going to come back, of course she's going to keep coming at you. She has no reason to trust you. I think, I think those conversations need to happen before there's an argument or before there's a situation. I think those, those conversations don't um, happen enough about how are we going to fight or how are we going to argue and what are the rules of play, you know. So by the time I'm already triggered or already, you know, getting angry, don't tell me later because it's going to be a riot. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that is a major point. You have to have these conversations beforehand. Don't wait for the moment for it to happen because you're right. If you wait for that moment, it's not going to work. You have to have, and that's one thing we don't do when we get into relationships with people. We don't often have a plan on how to deal with situations. We just run into it and say, hey, everything's going to be good. We know it's not going to be good. So you have to set things up in a way that's going to help things be more productive when things do fall apart. Whether it's financially, whether it's you know emotionally, whatever, you have to have a plan. And so you know that you often run away. We all just said it. We all just said that we will usually withdraw if somebody's coming at us. So if you know that about you, but you know that you have to engage at some point, why not have the conversation beforehand? Look it. There are going to be times where you're going to want to talk and I'm not going to want to listen. And so I think the best practice for us to have is to step away for a moment and trust that I'm going to come back and talk to you about it when we're both in good places. Have that conversation beforehand. Thank you. That was a great point. Have that conversation beforehand. And we ask for this to happen in our, in our culture, it does if you have a plan. That's why when they come down and sit down and talk to me, I'm walking them through the steps. And they have to go home and practice that. 
Well, I'm showing you how to do it first. Now you're both on the same page on how to pursue this. But you have to actually put it into practice. All right. Number four. So now it's not about you. How often do you tune your maid out when she's complaining about something other than you? How often do you tune your mate out when she's complaining about something other than you? About a four, two, six. Okay. So we're more willing to listen when it's not about us, right? We have some doubt. The ladies have some doubt. If it's not about you, so you do pay more attention. Oh yeah. Or less attention when it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's dirty, man. It's like it's dirty on mine. It's dirty. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, I'm just sweating everybody out. All right. Number five. How important is it to you that your mate isn't feeling stressed out? How important is it to you that your mate is not feeling stressed out? Six, ten. Okay, so, so this gets down to how much we actually care. Do we actually care about a mate enough for them not to be stressed out? You said 10? Okay, we got 10 back there. Because my thing is, if it's not a 10, why are you with that person? Because right now, you don't really, what you're showing me is that you really don't care. If someone's feeling stressed out, if you're feeling stressed out, you want somebody to care about that, right? Even if you don't want them to do anything about it or you don't know what to do about it, you want them to care. And so if you don't care, you don't need to be with that person. Number six, how often do you feel you are the source of your mate's anxiety or stress? Number six, nine. nine. <laughs> we got a nine over here. What else we got? About a five, so half the time. Other half of the kids, huh? Nine. All right. If it's, if it's a nine, you might have to change your... You have to change your... Uh, your technique. I know, I know it was a nine because it's I'm also happy to be open to the things that you said earlier. It's like the, the thing, the fight of the black woman, what she's going through at work, how often as a black man am I listening? Am I a resemblance of that? So I know in some form of fashion, I'm, I'm contributing to that stress. But I don't, for myself, personally, I'm not taking it personally, but I know I'm a factor. Right, right. And let's go back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of months ago, just in terms of our effort and things that we're doing. We don't make a lot of effort sometimes. We get in relationships. And we just figure it's going to work out because, you know, we're good. We're nice. We don't have to do anything. But if you're not putting effort forward within the relationship, whether that means getting up early and helping out with the kids or doing something around the house or even just listening, if you're not putting effort forward, yeah, you are going to be the source of a lot of her tension. She needs help. She needs you as much as you need her. You may not recognize that you need her, but trust me, you do. And she needs you too. Otherwise, why are you in a relationship? I recognize that. And how do you how do you recognize it, Dr. Lee? I recognize it because <coughs> that's when I have a head. She just, woo-hoo. I'm not just cut this hair. 
Because <laughs> she just, I was just treating me so well on the level of respect and cooking, cleaning, and driving. And she just, I recognized that without her, my whole life would be different. Right. Okay, and this goes back to what we're saying right here, number seven. How much effort do you put into helping your mate relieve her stress or her anxiety, ease her anxiety? How much effort do you actually put into helping her? Whether it's just listening or helping to solve the issue. Seven? Seven, okay. Got nine over here. I got ten. Got ten out of Dr. Lee. There you go, Dr. Lee. Got ten out of Dr. Lee. What else we got? Seven? Okay. So we're actually putting in some effort. We're actually doing the work. Okay, good. Somebody got caught. Somebody got caught out. Her, how are we doing? Is there anything that we need to, to work on? 
how am I treating you? Right. And I, I do that for a reason. So that, that kind of reduces a lot of the stress. So we really don't have a real big issues like that. Right. Because if you constantly, and that's what I do. She doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I guess by me checking on her, you know, we have a lot of issues. Yeah, you got to check in. That's something she tell me about it. Oh, you know, I need a little more whatever. Give her a little more, whatever. I can't wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm afraid to ask that little more, whatever it is. Yeah, it could be anything. It could be, yeah, it could be anything. It could be you could cook sometimes. You right. Could, you give me a little more affection. You take me to lunch for my work, my job. Right. I check in to find out. Got to. Instead of just waiting, you got 9,000 things that she wants you to do. You know? Yeah. It, it works for me. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so. In closing, just to give you some ideas of you know what you can do, whether or not you believe it's going to work or not. But a couple of things are one, making sure that you know when you guys do talk, that you may need a designated time and place to do it, because everywhere isn't a good place to talk. In the car may not be a good place to talk, so you may need to wait till you get home and go sit down in the bed. But find a good place for you guys to have the conversation where you both feel open enough to listen to each other. That's the one thing. And in a certain period of time, you may not want to talk in the morning. I know before I go see clients on Sunday morning, I don't really feel like talking. Now, I, my lady's a talker, so she ain't been talking a lot, um, nonetheless. But I know it's easy for me to listen and have a conversation later on in the evening. So find the best time for both of you guys to communicate, number one. Number two, like I said, if you're feeling stressed out at the moment that someone's talking to you, just let them know. Look it. And again, plan this beforehand. But get away for a few moments just so you can both calm down and come back and have a conversation where you're not both feeling defensive and stressed out. All right. And the last thing is, I know we want to solve problems. I know we want to get this off of our back or out, out of, from in front of us, but we, we have to listen. Point blank. We have to listen. It's hard sometimes. We don't want to hear it, but that's part of the relationship. That's part of showing caring and understanding and empathy. You actually do have to listen. And it's a skill that you have to learn sometimes because many times, we just have never had to listen, or never tried to. But you will have to engage, and in order to engage, you have to listen first. So, all right, guys, that's our time for today. Thank you again for participating. Enjoy this. Make sure you take these sheets with you. Keep them with you. If you have any questions, Dr. Lee knows everything now, so he can handle it for you. <laughs> and thank you from um, starting with today again for sponsoring this. And thank you, Dr. Lee, for having us, and thank you all for, for being here today. Thank you, guys. Woo! That was a lot, right? Good show. Talked about a lot about the definition of what peace is for a man or for a woman. Frustration, anxiety, sparked up a great conversation in barbershop. But we also encourage you to continue the conversation right below in the comment section. Again, we welcome all open-minded opinions. Somebody said something that you were shaking your head to or you was agreeing to, put it right there in the comment section. I'd like to give a big up to therapist Tariq Amare Walton for directing the conversation. A bigger shout out to Miss Charlotte Anderson, the director and founder of Starting With Today, who organized the whole Shape Up podcast and Shape Up movement. A bigger big up to Lee's Barbershop, Dr. Lee himself, who's in charge, who's the owner, the head honcho of Lee's Barbershop located in Washington, D.C., Southeast. And much love to you for joining us. As usual, make sure you follow us on our social media platforms. That's starting with today. One word. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Also, go to our SoundCloud and go to YouTube. Type in starting with today. That's one word. So you check out our previous podcast as we help to encourage the conversation about mental health in our communities. That about does it. Myself, Jay Hall. You can follow me on all my social media platforms at Jay Hall Radio. 
As usual, be blessed, be successful, and we'll talk to you soon.